Amen. 2 Samuel 11, and we'll look in verse number 6 and 7, and you may be seated. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. Now you may be seated. We saw this morning the man unraveling. He loses his reasoning. David lost his reasoning. He knew when he saw uh, Bathsheba that he should have turned away, should have walked away, should have ran away. Whatever it was, uh, he could have found himself doing that wasn't lusting after Bathsheba. He should have done it. And so he lost his reasoning. He didn't think through the situation. And I wonder... How many times I could say myself, I've been guilty of that, that I lost my reasoning. I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I didn't have the right, I didn't have a purpose because I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And it just spiraled out of control. And it ends with a wandering eye. You saw David's wandering eyes. He looks on Bathsheba and he doesn't step away. He doesn't walk away. He has a wandering eye looking after sin. And so he lost his reasoning. And he sins with her, and we see that uh, the birth of sin, where he lays with Bathsheba, another man's wife. We look at the birth of death, and that's what we begin to see here is how, as it continues to spiral out of control, you'll find that uh, the, the pivotal moment uh, in his sin and his uh, um, unrepentance, he doesn't repent for his sin, uh, God ends up taking his son from him later on, we'll find in these texts. But he loses his reasoning. And next, he loses his responsibility. Uh, let me start first by saying thank God for his Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, the way we're ministered to today is not as it was in the biblical days. Uh, we don't have pillars of fire. We don't have uh, God doesn't come down and talk to us audibly. We don't have uh, uh, certain things happen that would uh, make us uh, see God. We don't see God in, in the ways that he... he uh, we saw him in, in the Old Testament do, but we see him in his word and in his Holy Spirit. That's the way God talks to man today. And so the responsibility of a Christian when you're in sin is to be sensitive to that Holy Spirit in conviction of your sin. And as we said this morning, David, he sins with Bathsheba. And it took some time to find out that she was pregnant. And so during that time, I believe that uh, we find such an unrepentant and, and, and unregenerated mindset in the mind of David for so long until God sends Nathan to speak to David. Uh, I, I don't believe that he was sensitive to God dealing with him about his sin. I think he, was, uh, he had made his bed and he was going to lay in it. And so he loses his responsibility and you see here, verse 6, it says, And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. Now, Uriah, that's Bathsheba's husband. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. And so Joab's down there. At, uh, they're besieging Rabbah, and they're living, a, uh, they're living a tough life. And Uriah had been down there and in battle, and he was, uh, he was not afforded the comforts of home. I was thinking about David, that uh, it's likely that, that, that he would, Uriah, he'd been out on the road. 
He's probably dusty. He was probably worn out. Uh, he hadn't uh, probably seen a square meal in a while. Uh, he hadn't been around his wife in a while. He hadn't slept in a bed in a while. And, and, and Uriah, I don't know, I, I, maybe he, kind of, he might have been glad to go back to Jerusalem for a couple of days at first. But you see that he really wanted to be where his duty was. You'll find that about him in just a few verses. Uh, maybe at first he thought, well, I, I'll get off the, the front lines in a minute. But his heart was with his men that he was serving with. And that's where he wanted to be, is serving with Joab. And, and he wanted to be serving with David. Um, and, and they call for Uriah, and maybe they wonder, well, why are they pulling Uriah out? Why are they sending Uriah? They usually send old so-and-so. Why, why are they pulling Uriah out? Uh, once again, like I said this morning, nobody's going to question the king. Uh, send Uriah. Joab sends him. And he goes down to David. He comes back, and I believe the uh, estimation is 64 miles is the trip from Rabbah to, uh, to Jerusalem, 64 miles. It wasn't just uh, hop up in the morning and, and uh, you know, get in the car for a couple hours. 64 hard miles, uh, Uriah traveled back to Jerusalem. So not only was he tired from battle, he probably slept on a rock. Uh, and rocks all, all the, the, the days he traveled back to Jerusalem. He was probably ready to be back with his men. He wanted to be fighting because that was his duty. He had a purpose in battle. And uh, you see the paradox here. You see that uh, Uriah, he, had, he felt the responsibilities that David did not feel, that got David into sin. And so Uriah, he comes back to Jerusalem, and David gets him in there with him. And David's responsibility as a Christian would have been to say, Uriah, I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to tell you I've sinned against you. I've done wrong. I've laid with your wife. She carries my child. That was the responsibility of David as a Christian. First, to repent to God. And then, when he gets Uriah in front of him, to say, Uriah, I'm sorry. I've done you wrong. That's hard to look a man in the eye and tell him you've done wrong. And I can't imagine confessing that sin. David couldn't either, because he didn't. He lost his reasoning with Bathsheba, and he loses his responsibility. He doesn't feel the responsibility to confess, because he'd shut himself off and ran away from God's dealing with him, showing him his sin. And he looks at Uriah, and it says he demanded of him, how Joab did, and how, did the, how the people did, and how the war prospered. He could have wrote Joab a letter, probably had. They'd probably exchanged letters back and forth. He knew what was going on down there. They had been, uh, they, they had been whipping uh, uh, these folks for a while. I think he knew. But in that moment, faced with the responsibility of looking a man in the eye, tell him that he had sinned with his wife. He lost the responsibility. He didn't feel the responsibility. So what does he do? He starts yelling at him. He had a mean spirit towards him. What's going on down there? What's, what's Joab doing? What's going on down uh, uh, um, along the walls? How's the siege going? How's this going? How's that going? Are these people doing their job? He's, he's demanding of Uriah, wanting to know what's... What he already knew, he dodged the responsibility of confession. It says, it's a, it is surely, one man said, it is surely a startling paradox 
that is often the sinner's desire for a righteous reputation that drives him on to commit even more aggravated sins. David was willing to face Uriah, but he wasn't willing to face the sin in his life. You know, when I was growing up, my grandmother would tell me about lying. And you've probably heard this. You tell a lie, it's almost like a spider's web. You tell a lie, you got to tell another one to cover it up. Before too long, you got to tell one to cover that one up. And you got to tell another one to cover that up. And you spin a web of lies. And you know what a spider does? A spider gets its prey and it wraps it up and it keeps it close. That's what David was doing with Uriah. He was getting him within grasp until he decided how he was going to handle Uriah. He was willing to face Uriah. He was willing to look at him, but he wasn't willing to face his sin. He got him close to him, Scotty, to harm him. He got him close to him until he could determine and decide what he would do with him. That goes back to what we said this morning. Our sin doesn't just affect us. It doesn't just offend the person that we've sinned with or against. It affects so many. Uriah, doing his duty, he comes to Jerusalem. And David had sinned against him. David had sinned against Bathsheba. David had sinned against God. He sinned against Eliam. He had sinned against Ahithophel. He had sinned against all of his other mighty men. He had sinned against all of Israel. And he looks, he looks Uriah in the eye. And it just continues on this. see this aggravation come from David. It says, the, the, the gentleman that said that last quote, he went on to say, it's also sad that more attention and effort are needed in order to hide sin than we were required to use to resist it in the first place. You see, David starts spinning this web with Uriah, and we'll go on in the next few verses, and I hope you'll see what I mean. But he starts spinning this web with Uriah. He demands of him, he yells at him. You'll see in just a minute, he tells him to go back down to his house and go enjoy uh, some time with his, with his wife back at home. We'll see that he eventually, uh, he goes to great lengths and gets him drunk and, and he still doesn't go and lay with his wife. He's, it takes more effort to keep up the sin that he should have been convicted of and dealt with. It takes more effort to keep up the, fa the facade than it did to sin in the first place, than to resist it in the first place. So, verse 8. It says, and David said to Uriah, go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house. And there followed him a mess of meat from the king. He says, Uriah, I've got you here. And, and I, I got a little hasty with you. I'm sorry. But you know what? While you're in Jerusalem, why don't you go on down and see Bathsheba? Why don't you go, go home and kick your feet up for, for a day or two? Why don't you go enjoy the comforts of being home? I know it's been hard out there in the, in the battle, and I've had a bath every day since I've been back in Jerusalem, and I know, man, you stink. Go to the house. Get cleaned up. Enjoy the company of your wife. And he sends a big old feast behind Uriah. I said this morning, I believe we'll get into tonight why I believe Uriah is the greatest character, or one of the greatest characters you'll see in the life of David. This next verse. Verse 9, but Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down 
to his house. This is where we see David. He, lo he lost his responsibility in the last few verses. He should have confessed to Uriah, but he begins to spin this web of deception, and he tries to send Uriah home because he was hoping that Uriah would go and Uriah would lay with his wife, and Uriah would believe that this baby was his. That was his deceptive intention. Folks, this is how deceptive and messed up a Christian can get. I mean, it's scary. That's some, that's some deep, dark stuff, folks. He lost his responsibility to confess, and then you start seeing him lose his repentance. Because he continues to take steps. Uriah, go home. Go enjoy your wife. What does Uriah do? Uriah, the man he is, he slept at the door of the king's house. Look at verse 10. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then did thou not go down unto thine house? And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife as thou livest? And as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And David said unto Uriah, Tarry here. Today also and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. Now, this is where the failures of David are realities in the life of Uriah. Uriah, he was where he was supposed to be. I preached this morning on Uriah, David, he neglected his duty. He neglected his duty. He didn't have a purpose. And he had a wandering eye. Uriah, David tries to send him home. He sends a bunch of food with him. Go enjoy, be at home. Uriah sleeps at his door. He says, why did you not go home? Why would you, why would you not just, just go enjoy your family, enjoy your wife, enjoy being home? Uriah says, my purpose is not here, David. Why would I go home and enjoy home when my brothers are out on the battlefield? Why would I go enjoy home when the ark and Israel and all that our land stands for is somewhere else? How can I go home? My purpose is somewhere else. You see where I'm tied in this morning, that thought of the purpose. David didn't have purpose, but Uriah had purpose because Uriah was where Uriah was supposed to be. Uriah was down there at Rabbah. Uriah was looking at those city walls besieging Rabbah. He knew there'd come a day they'd break down the gates. And he knew his responsibility was to go through those gates and to fight for the glory of God. Uriah knew what his purpose was. I'm not enjoying the comforts of home when all of my people and God's will and God's purpose in my life stands down there at the gates of Rabbah. Uriah was a Hittite. He was a foreigner. We know how the Jewish bloodline is. He wasn't, a, he wasn't even a Jew by blood. But that's the dedication he had to God. That's the dedication he had to David. That's why I said I believe he might be the greatest character in David's life. Because he says, "Why, hey, he had a beautiful wife. But he said, you know what? I'm not going home and, and, and bathing and laying with my wife and kicking my feet up when my brothers are laying on rocks and getting bit by snakes and living down there and shot with arrows in the middle of the night. I'm not going to do that. You know what? He had conscience and he had conviction because he didn't neglect his duty and he had purpose and he didn't have a wandering eye. He was focused 
on his duty. Uriah wasn't perfect. But it's hard for the devil to breed lust in a man that's focused on the purpose and the task at hand. I'm not going to enjoy these things. He says in the end of verse 11, As thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. He told the king that. I know you're sending me home. I saw that brisket you sent to my house. I saw all that you sent down there. And I love Bathsheba with all my heart. But I ain't going home. As my soul liveth. I ain't going to do it, David. I ain't going to do it. That's a man right there. Look at the king and say, I ain't doing it. I want to be on the battlefield. Maybe for a split second he was glad to get away from the battle. But it wasn't long and he was ready to be right back in it. Because he was focused on his duty. This is where David loses his repentance. We know that David should have time and time again said, Uriah, I'm deceiving you. But he's getting deeper. He's getting deeper. And he's getting deeper in his sin. And he didn't. It gets past the point of offending Bathsheba. It gets the past the point of offending Uriah. It gets past the point of offending Eliam. It gets the, uh, past the point of offending Ahithophel. He'd already done that. He's offended God. And he's offended the, the entire nation of Israel. Because he was a king. He was the leader. It was his responsibility that he was neglecting. By not repenting to Uriah. And he spins this web of lies. He loses his repentance. Verse 13. It says, and when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him. And he made him drunk. And at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. David finally, he, he's spun such a web that he loses his respect. He said, you know what? I can't convince him to go home. I can't send enough food with him to take down to Bathsheba. And I can't get him down there where I want him. I'm going to get him drunk. That's pitiful. But it's a, I mean, it's a man after God is at God's own heart. One of the greatest characters, the greatest character we see in the Old Testament, I believe, and that's how far sin took him. You think it'll uh, give him an inch, it'll take you a mile. It took him to this point where he gets him drunk, hoping he'll stumble in the door at home, lie with Bathsheba, and David could sink his teeth into the lie that he would tell that, oh, that's not my child. Uriah's been home. But what does a drunk Uriah do? It says, and at even, it's time to go to bed. He went out to lie on his bed, on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. He's, he, even in his drunken state, Sam, he was a soldier. He wasn't in his right mind, and he still laid down with the servants. David lost his respect here. David lost his respect. And it breaks my heart because 
the lengths we will go, the blood that we will allow to be shed to cover up one moment of sin. The moment of sin with Bathsheba, he spends hours, days, trying to cover up. Eats him alive. You say, that'd be a hard one to confess to. I ain't saying it'd be easy. That's a big deal right there now. But David doesn't realize the chaos it'll cause in his life by not repenting of his sin. He loses his respect. Look here, verse 13, or verse 14. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Now this is sad stuff here. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city, that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. He said, I can't tell him to go home. I can't get him drunk and make him go home. The only thing I'm going to be able to do is kill him. I wonder if the gravity of that hits everybody. Because I'm telling, that's, that's bad stuff, folks. He has Uriah killed. He sins by the hand of Uriah the warrant for his death. He, the, Uriah goes back those 64 miles, back to Rabah. And under his arm, he carries the orders to have him killed. Uriah, I believe we'll see him in heaven one day. We'll see, we'll see David in heaven one day too. But Uriah paid the price for David's sin. And God takes David's son from him. We'll get to a little later. God takes his son from him as the price David would pay on this earth. I think Uriah died in that battle. And Uriah spent eternity in heaven. Stand before an almighty God knowing he did his duty. He said, Lord, I'm not going to enjoy the comforts of home when my beloved brethren are out there dying on the battlefield. Even in a state out of his mind, I'm not going home. I'm going to lay down. I don't care what the king sends me. I don't care how he pats me on the back. I don't care how he makes me feel. I know my duty. I know my responsibility. And he carries home. He carries to Joab his death warrant. And he does his duty. How wicked a man can get. How much a man can fall. Now it gets, gets good a little bit later. I love the confrontation between the prophet and David. That's good stuff. And David gets right. But remember when I preached about Absalom turning against David and David going down into the Kedron Valley and he looks back up at Jerusalem and Absalom, his son, is turned against him. And Ahithophel, the grandfather of Bathsheba, is turned against him. 
And he looks back at Jerusalem. And he sees Jerusalem. He says, God, I know you're the king of the holy hill. I know that, that you're the king of all creation. But woe unto me, I'm, I'm going to need your help, Lord. I'm the king and I'm standing down here in the valley of death. This moment, I believe, was what the birth of the pain David would suffer through the rest of his life. David paid for his sin here with Bathsheba. He paid for deceiving and killing Uriah. He loses this son that Bathsheba is carrying. And he stands down in that Kidron Valley. And although he's right with God, he looks back at Jerusalem. And I believe he's paying for his sins right here. He's not going to die and go to hell. God knows that he won't face eternal judgment in hell. But he pays for it on this earth. And he spends the rest of his life, it's pure chaos. His own son turns against him. His men standing around him turn against him. And we feel for him in those situations. But we can see so evident the sin that created that in his life. What I'm preaching to you, I'm not, just, I'm not harping on David. I told Sam the other day, I said, it's very possible I go to heaven I look David in the eyes. And if he can look down here and they can, the people in heaven can see the good things that go on the earth, he may be listening to what I'm preaching about him today. So I may have something to answer for when I get to heaven. But I believe because the Holy Spirit of God impressed this on my heart, I believe that I'm right about this. And what I'm telling you is that we've got a man, David. He neglected his duty. He had a wandering eye. He didn't have purpose. And we've got a man, Uriah. And he walked back to that battlefield with his orders for death under his arm. And he said, I can't wait to get there. Because I want to be amongst the men that serve God. I want to be around Israel when I get back there. I can't wait to get back and see that ark because that shows the presence of God. And although I'm looking at, a, at an army of Ammonites standing before me, hey, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'd love to be home uh, laying beside my wife in the warmth of my bed. But I'm going to be standing down there at the gates of Rabah. Because when those things break down, God will deliver me. And if he don't, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to die and I'm going to see him on the other side. And these men I'm standing around today, oh, praise God. These men I'm standing around today that I've laid and slept on rocks with, we've not enjoyed the comforts of home. I didn't eat that brisket David sent down to my house because I knew I needed to be with them, eating the gruel of the ground and eating the, the grass, I mean, eating grass and drinking dirty water. I'm down here suffering because I know that's where God wants me. And that's why the devil wasn't able to get a hold of Uriah. And David got, was, was deceived by the devil because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And he walked down, I believe, just purposed, ready to go. Sword clanking at his side. I can't wait to get back down there. Let me at him, Lord. Let me at him. And he goes down there. What does it say? Joab put him where he knew the valiant men were. He died a good death. He died fighting with some strong men. But it took the best men. Because Uriah wasn't somebody easy to put down. And he died right with God. Because he was willing to sacrifice the comforts of this world. To do his duty. David lost his respect. And he has a man killed. I wonder tonight. You say, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. Well, if you've, been, you know, you've been living long enough, you've been sinning long enough, this has been you at some point in time. I was talking to somebody recently. 
He was talking Christian man, leader in the church. He said the devil was fighting him so strong, it scared him. The thoughts he had about another Christian, the things he wanted to do to another Christian. We get high and mighty. I've been guilty. There's a couple people. It's as close to hating somebody as possible. I don't know if a Christian, well, you, you hold hate in your heart as a Christian. I don't know how long you can live. But as close, I mean, to the point, Sam, I knew if I didn't let go of it, I'd die. It's amazing how far from where God found us we can fall. It's amazing how hateful of creatures we can be. It's amazing how wicked and conniving Christian people can be. And these people that see this, that's what Sam, we were talking after the service this morning. He said, think about all the people that was affected. We were talking about Uriah's other mighty men. Think about Joab. He followed the king's orders. Uriah was killed. I wonder if you ever believed the testimony of David after that. I wonder if he could ever trust David after that. These mighty men that have served God and served David so closely, it got around to them, I'm sure. Remember, there was a guy that walked down and knocked on Bathsheba's door and said, hey, the king's hollering for you. I wonder if he ever trusted David again. I wonder if he didn't stay in Jerusalem when Absalom took over. Folks, what I'm saying tonight is it's amazing how many people we affect with our sin. And it's the hardest thing you'll do. Look somebody in the eye, and it doesn't matter if you got mad at them. It doesn't matter if you cussed in front of them. It doesn't matter if you ever, you ever told somebody, I'm sorry I had a bad thought about you. That's a, that's a, hard, that's a hard thing to, to tell somebody because there's no proof to them. But you know what? God knows. God knows. And David, man, he had thoughts. He had actions. He had anger. He had hatred. He had frustration. All these things towards God's other people. The people that God had called him to serve and to lead. And he loses his respect. He loses his responsibility. He loses his repentance. He leapt into sin. We're unhooking from this. And I promise... The next time we're preaching on this, we're going to see some hope in there. I've tried to tie that in a little bit because it's sad stuff. It's almost depressing to think about how wicked a Christian can be. But thank the Lord, what you'll see in the life of David is the love of Christ. Exemplified. Christ hadn't came. Remember, this is Old Testament days. But the love of Christ shone through. A prophet that goes and tells him, looks him in the eye and says, you're wrong. You're wrong. God told me to tell you you're wrong. And you know what David does? He gets on his knees. He gets on his knees and he repents. You know what happens? He pays for a lot of his sin. But he says, God, I can't do it without you. I've tried to do it without you. I can't do it without you.
David's a picture of Christ, except for in this instance. Certainly not a picture of Christ. But we see the love of Christ building up in these days. The repentance, the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy, the long-suffering. David stood before God with blood on his hands. We talked about that last night, Jeremy. What it would be to stand before God and to know, to know that you've got blood on your hands. My goodness. We've got an opportunity. Examples such as this to do it different. Time after time after time, he had an opportunity to repent. But he was hard in his heart because he wanted to cover his sin. That's all I got. Leave you with that. Just that thought. Think on those things. Like I said this morning, come back. I got some, got some hope in there, I promise. But Uriah, be like Uriah. He didn't neglect his duty. He had a purpose. And he had fixed eyes on what God had called him to do. Amen. Anyone have anything before we dismiss tonight?